if you have your Bibles, guys, we want to go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, uh, and we'll begin our reading at verse number 10. Ephesians chapter six, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 10. As we um, uh, prepare to uh, finish up this book of Ephesians, our new study will be coming uh, toward the end of August, and we'll be announcing that uh, next week. Uh, but this book has been a very rich book for us to study. Uh, if we want to know about God's purpose and plan for the church, Ephesians is a great book to study. Now, I'm excited about this part of the sixth chapter because in this, in this part of the sixth chapter, we're going to be talking about armed for battle. Armed for battle. Everybody say armed for battle. Um, when we... As born again believers, as Christians, when we are born into uh, uh, the kingdom of God, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we discover that we are caught up in a war with an opposing spiritual kingdom, and that's the kingdom of Satan. Are y'all with me? And just by virtue of you being a born again believer, you're in the war. I just think about some of the people over in Ukraine. They didn't ask to be in war, but because the enemy attacked, they find themselves in the midst of warfare. This is happening even in some of the African countries, even Ethiopia. Now they're 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 experiencing civil war, civil unrest, and people are caught up in the middle of it. OK, and so by virtue of us being born again, believers, we are a, a part of the warfare. We don't have any option. Okay, because the kingdom to which we belong is at war. We are part of that war. Now, look at what Paul says here. We'll read starting at verse number 10. Can y'all can y'all read that out loud and on purpose with me? The text says this. And then what? Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. How many of y'all know the devil is strategizing against you? Let me tell you, he is, he's watching and he's particularly interested in Christians who are doing something, right? If you're not very uh, uh, forthright in doing the word of God, I got news for you. The devil probably is not just too concerned about you because he knows that your impact is going to be minimal at best. But but those who have made a conscious commitment to say that I am going to do the stuff that I'm being taught. We learn, and y'all hear me say it all the time, the blessing is what? In the doing. Everybody say the blessing is in the doing. The blessing ain't in the learning. As you probably have figured out, you've been here, come, maybe you've been coming 10, 15 years. You've been learning a lot of stuff, biblical doctrine, learning about end time events, learning about eschatology, learning about the ministry of angels and demonic spirits. You can know all this stuff, but if you're not doing any of it, Amen. blessings are not flowing. Be ye doers of the word and not what? Here is only deceiving your own selves. But it says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategy of the devil. Next verse says this. Let's read. For we are not fighting against what? Go back and let's read that once more and again. For we are what? Not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, 
against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Stop right there. How many of y'all, if if you're really honest about it, will admit to me and admit to yourself that a lot of times you think people are your enemy? You thought that other ethnic group was your enemy. You thought your in-laws were your enemies. Anybody had some trouble with the in-laws? Oh, y'all don't want to talk about it today, do you? You thought, you thought that person at work who seemed to not like you was the real enemy. Now, listen, I will admit to you that the enemy, Satan, will use whoever, whoever's available for him, but they are not the real enemy. And if we're going to effectively engage in spiritual warfare, we must understand who the true enemy is. And we got to begin to strategize and do this Christian life in a way that gives us the opportunity to take advantage of the spiritual weaponry that God has placed at our disposal. Can I get a witness? Let's keep reading. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. For, for therefore, well, well, here we go. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 13, let's read. It says this. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. How many of y'all want to stand firm after the battle? Let's read on. Next verse. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Next place. It says what? For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully what? Prepared. Verse 16. Let's go. It says this. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Next verse. Let's go. Put on as your helmet, which is what? The word of God. Next verse. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers what? Everywhere. Okay, guys. All right. Now, listen. I'm going to tell you something up front. I will not complete all these today. All right, so just get it out the way. Y'all know me. Y'all been here long enough. Uh, you've gotten used to me, so uh, uh, I, I'm purposely not going to try to... Uh, th- these are so important that I, I would not dare rush through these because here's what I've discovered. Many of us as believers in this place have been, have been struck by the enemy uh, on, on numerous occasions, and we've been wounded, and we've sometimes been discouraged, and I think a lot of time it's because we don't know Amen. How to properly get prepared to fight. We've been fighting people for so long. We forgot it's the enemy who's dealing who we got to deal with. Can I get one witness up in here? So so uh, uh, this spiritual war spans both heaven and earth. Everybody say heaven and earth. Our most powerful and dangerous enemies or a kingdom of evil fallen angels. Y'all know that there are fallen angels, right? Those who, who Satan took along with him and he was cast out of heaven. Don't have time to go into uh, the, the doctrine of angels, but we'll talk about that another time. But just know angels are real. Demons are real. Everybody say angels are real. Demons are real. 
Now, if you think that's a fantasy or some cartoon, you're going to get messed up because you're not going to take this Bible seriously when it talks about spiritual warfare and getting equipped for spiritual warfare. And so what I want to do, uh, I want to set it, set it up first because when I played football at Louisiana Tech, or when, Jerry, you went to the Marines, or uh, Robert, you went to the Air Force, or you went to the military, uh, you went to boot camp, and part of the boot camp experience was to get your mind right. Come on now. In other words, it was more than just physical exercise. It was a process of getting you to understand how your mindset has to be in order to effectively engage as a soldier, in order to effectively engage as a, as a member of that team that you are participating with. Are you with me today? And so, so I want to get your mind right first, okay, before I give you the weapon. Because if I give you the weapons and your mind is not right, you're going to misuse it and abuse it. Or you're not going to be able to effectively do it anyhow, right? So in his wisdom and mercy, God has provided all of us with the weapons that we need to achieve victory in this warfare that we engage in. Because our warfare is in the spiritual realm, our weapons are also spiritual. Brittany, if you could, let's go to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And you to have your Bibles, go along with it. I know that, uh, you know, with, with screens, sometimes we get a little lazy. We don't bring our Bibles. Uh, but that's okay, all right? Um... Uh, I'm, I'm going to show it on the screen so that we can move a little bit faster anyhow, right? Because how many of y'all in the old days when we flipped through the Bible, you, you were still flipping while I was... <laughs> I read that five minutes ago, baby. So that means I, I do want you to get accustomed to finding things in the Word, but I do, I do know and understand because, I, as I said uh, the other week, that uh, the Barna Group shares with us that the, the average Christian, 85% of Christians don't spend time in the Word. So I know that some of y'all, this is all you're going to get when it comes to Bible. So I'm going to help you, okay? Pastor's going to help you. What are y'all going to tell, Pastor? Oh, y'all are so welcome. Y'all are so welcome. Now watch this. This is crucial because here's what I've discovered. If the enemy can, can affect your thinking, and if he, can, he, if he can indoctrinate you into thinking a certain way, and oftentimes, if that way is in contradiction to God's word, he has you right where he wants you. But watch what Paul, as he writes here, says this. And, and Brittany, if you don't mind, uh, let's, let's go to the KJV on this. I love the way the KJV reads in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Glory to God. Are y'all still with us? Everybody say, armed for battle. Let's go to, back up to verse number four. Armed for battle. Verse, verse number three, I'm sorry. Verse number three. Let's read together. It says what? For though we walk in the flesh, we all are humans, we are fleshy beings, we do not what? War after the flesh. Or we do not war according to our humanity. Next verse, let's read. Let's go. For the weapons of our warfare, who's, who's our? Who's, he's talking to the church at Corinth. He's talking to the believers. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshy, they're not worldly. It's not the AK-47. You can't kill a demon with an AK-47. You can shoot all day long, and he, it ain't going to hit the demon. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Strongholds are ways of thinking, ways of doing things, a paradigm, a system of belief that's been cultivated through whatever our experiences are, and sometimes we get hardened in those ways of thinking. 
And so God, in his effort to try to transform us into soldiers who are ready to do battle, has to deal with our mind. The United Negro College Fund has a slogan, and they may still have it, says, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And I will, I will agree with that wholeheartedly. A, a mind for a Christian that is not renewed is a terrible thing to waste because if I'm trying to do warfare according to the world standard, I am going to get messed up. For the weapons of our warfare are not call them, but they're mighty through God to put them down the strongholds. Next verse. It says it's casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity. Bring it into captivity. Everybody say bring it into captivity. Say, bring it into captivity. Bring it into captivity. Some of, some of my thoughts. Well, 90% of my thoughts. Well, about 99.9% of my thoughts. No, it says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What are you talking about, brother pastor? Well, you know, as well as I know, that every thought that comes to our mind is not godly. As a matter of fact, if, if we could, if I had a mind reader that, that popped up what you were thinking right above your head while I'm preaching, I would imagine that there'll be some thinking that's not very spiritual. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, you. Oh, who? Dude, why are you thinking that? Oh, oh, Laura Jones, come on, Laura. You waiting on Carl to come home for what now? Oh, oh, Laura. I can play with Laura like that. We got history. We got relationship. But, but, but it says this. Listen, guys, we got to be honest with ourselves. Every thought that comes to our mind is not godly. So the text says, bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. In other words, I have to check my thought life and run it through the prism of God's word. Right? Because we, we just finished talking about how you're working. And so in order to work as unto the Lord, you got to check your thought life on Monday morning. When you walk in the door and somebody comes to you with a problem. And rather than remembering what, I, what we talked about in, in the message the last couple of weeks, you'll be saying, doggone, I just got here. Can you just give me time to put my stuff down? Now, here you are, a Christian who's supposed to be working heartily as the Lord to try to please him. And now you as a believer with your Jesus shirt on on casual day Friday <laughs> or casual day Monday. And you threw attitude. Let me see the hands of all of us in here who at some point in time in your work environment brought some attitude with you to work. And you know what I mean by attitude, right? I mean, you know, a little stink face you got. You better not mess with me today. I ain't for it. How are you working? So we, gotta, we have to admit that every thought that comes to our mind is not godly, right? So that's why the text says, bring it into captivity. So the thought comes, thought comes, whatever that thought is. Um, take that that doesn't belong to you. Thought comes, take that to belong. Nobody will know. I go to the word, thou shall not steal. Well, pastor, is not really stealing, you know. Uh, I'm just borrowing it. Borrowing it? Are you bringing it back? And did you get permission to borrow? It is stealing. Everybody say stealing. 
All right. So you got to bring that thought into captivity by putting the word of God on the thought that comes. Whatever that thought is, find word that deals with the thought and speak word to the thought that's coming to your mind. Because the Bible lets us know that God transforms us into new uh, creatures and transforms the way we behave by changing the way we think. And so we got to think differently. So our war, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal; they're not worldly. They're spiritual in nature. Because we got such powerful enemies, we all need to take advantage of the protection that God has provided for us. And the protection he's provided for us starts with us having an understanding of authority. Now, here's what I've discovered. The average Christian doesn't appreciate and understand God's, God's mindset as it relates to walking under and respecting spiritual authority. Go with me, if you will, right quick to the gospel according to St. Luke, chapter number 7. St. Luke, chapter number 7. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 1 from the NLT. St. Luke, chapter number 7. And we'll begin our reading at verse number 1. Every Christian needs the protection of being under appropriate scriptural authority. I said when Jerry went to... To, to join the Marines, they had to indoctrinate him into thinking like a Marine. Uh, when you're a part of a team, you have to be, you have to get the mindset so that you can work as a team. Because if you think about this for a second, uh, when, again, when I was playing ball at Tate, we had guys come from their individual schools, and all those guys at their individual schools were the star of the team, right? So obviously, if you got 85 scholarship athletes, everybody can't play, everybody can't start. All right. So you who started all four years of your high school year, now you're placed in a situation where somebody who's been there two years before you who has a starter position is probably going to the NFL and you sitting behind them thinking, am I going to get to play like I did in high school? And can I make the adjustment to prepare myself and to know that as a true freshman, no matter how athletic and talented I am, there's a lot that I got to learn about this new system. Same thing happens with rookies in the NFL or in, in the NBA, particularly in the NFL, because football is a very complicated game. It's more than just lined up and just pushing somebody. There are plays to be ran. There are coverages to understand. And the average person who's watching a game has no clue about the intricacies of that game at that level. You know, baseball is a game that I watch during World Series time. And I understand because... And I'm not as fond of baseball because I'm not as uh, 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 knowledgeable about all of the nuances of baseball. I mean, there are things that are going on that I don't quite understand because I hadn't studied it like I need to. But if you study it and understand, you can enjoy the game a whole lot better than just watching to see if they hit a home run. Can they get a witness? And so now when you talk about getting ready for, for, for warfare in, in military or preparing as a teammate in a new environment, you got to get your mind developed and you got to understand authority. Now watch this, watch this. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. Let's keep reading. It says what? And at that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and what? And near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. Next verse. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does. 
Next verse says what? Let's go. For he loves the Jewish people. Now, this guy was a Gentile, right? Uh, And even built the synagogue for us. Next verse. So Jesus went with them, but just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. Wow, look at the humility of this guy. Watch this. I'm not even worthy of... I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word. Come on. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Now watch this. Watch this. I need you to understand something. This man could say this because this man understood authority. All right. Can can we keep going? Watch this. Next verse. Let's read. I know this. How do I know about this? He says, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they do what? Or come and what? They what? Come. And if I say to my slaves do this they do it. Look at the next verse. Let's go. When Jesus heard this he was what? Now listen. When I look in the scriptures there's not a lot of there's several occasions but it's, it's rare when Jesus was amazed. He was amazed at this man's insight about authority. Watch this. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turned to the crowd that was following him. He said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. All of my peoples, all my peeps aren't showing this kind of faith that this Gentile uh, uh, official in this in this uh, uh, um, uh, army is showing right now. Watch this. I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave or the servant completely healed. What was it about what this man said, 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 what this man said that amazed Jesus? So it amazed Jesus because this man, amen, understood authority. He understood that if you speak a word under authority, people move. Oh my goodness. If, if, if the if the joint chiefs of staff and the general that, that's commanding that unit speaks the word and says charge, guess what those soldiers do? They charge. I mean, if, if you go back and, and sometimes I'll just watch a um, um, uh, film of, of, of warfare back in World War II uh, and uh, when uh, they stormed the beach at Normandy, any of historical, man, can you imagine? Now watch this. They were told, those 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old young soldiers were told to go and take the beach. Now, mind you, you got people right there over that hill shooting at you while you're trying to take the beach. And thousands lost their lives. But because their commanding officer said, what? Go. They went. And ultimately, they were successful. But had they not followed their commanding officers instructing and respected that authority, then we may not be where we are today. Hitler may still be ruling. He would be dead by now, but maybe the vestiges, the vestiges of Hitler would be ruling the world today because Germany was marching to control the entire world. But they understood authority. Now, some of y'all would have been there like, okay, they have guns over there, commander. They are shooting at us, and you asking me to get out of this boat and run and take the hill? 
Uh-uh, I'm going other direction. No, no, no. But a true soldier has, has his mind, amen, amen, formulated to follow the commanding officer. And that's what this guy truly understood here. He says, he says, listen, if you just speak a word, my servant will be healed. Every Christian needs the protection of being under appropriate scriptural authority. And a Christian not under authority is an unprotected Christian. Are y'all listening to me? Say, I'm unprotected if I'm not under authority. And to have authority, one must be under authority. That guy said, I know what it means. I'm under authority. And then when I say something, I have authority over these men and they'll go when I say go. Are y'all tracking with me? After his resurrection, Jesus says something. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, okay? In Matthew 28 and 18. All authority, Jesus says, after the resurrection has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So if all authority is given to Jesus after the resurrection on heaven and earth, and we have Jesus on the inside of us, that means that we have authority to walk in. We have the power of God available to help us to do and to engage in spiritual warfare. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1, back up verse number 22. One of the first demands of God that helps ensure our protection as we prepare for warfare is respect for Christ's authority operating in and through each local church. Everybody say respect for God's authority operating in and through the local church. See, what, here, here's, here's the, the problem I, I perceive that we have in the church in America. We have somewhere along the line duped ourselves into thinking that kingdom authority is the same as democratic authority in these United States of America. Somewhere along the line, we've duped ourselves into thinking that, that the church should be operated like a club. Whatever all the members say goes. And nowhere in scripture is that indicated one iota. Because as followers of Christ, we operate under a theocracy and not a democracy. I need y'all to stay with me. Now watch this. Watch what the text says. It says, God has put all things under the authority of whom? Under the authority of whom? Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of what? The church. Here, Paul says that God gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church. Everybody say the church. The Greek word for church is, y'all heard me say before, ecclesia, it's, which means the called out ones. In its original meaning, ecclesia referred to a group of citizens in a city or state who were the collective government of the city. When applied to Christians, hear me carefully, it indicates that in his redemptive acts, Jesus exercised his authority through the church, which is his ecclesia. We are the called out ones. If you are a born again believer, you've been called out of darkness and into the marvelous light. You are part of God's holy vessel, the church. Everybody say the church. When applied again to Christians, this indicates that in his redemptive acts, Jesus exercised his authority through the church, which is his ecclesia, all right? So, so, to, so to be under Christ's authority, therefore, means to be rightly related to his church. 
Let me say it again. To be under Christ's authority means that I am rightly related to his what? Church. All right. You cannot claim the protection of Christ's authority over you if you don't respect the authority that he has vested in his church. This is for all the people who say, well, I, you know, the question is always asked. Do you have to go to church to be a Christian? Have you all heard that before? And all your family and friends who are saying, you know, you know, I, I, I just I, I do my own church. Right. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, we, we got a thing. I, Pastor, you don't have to. Now, now, hey, here's how I answer that. No, to, to be a Christian, you don't have to be a member of a church. But if you are a Christian following under God's apostolic and biblical authority, you will be a member of a church. Did y'all catch that? Listen, I can get saved amen, and not have ever stepped foot inside the church. But if I am saved and I'm reading the Bible and I'm following God's word, when I go to Hebrews 10 and 25, which says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but come together even more as you see the day approaching. Then if I'm learning the word of God and I've subjected myself to the authority of the church, which is the word of God, then I'll find myself in a church. I cannot dismiss the importance of assembling together with other believers. As a matter of fact, can I... Uh, you know, I, I don't want to go there, but I, I'll just quote it for you. Remember, the, the Bible talks about the fact that um, uh, he, he gave the, the fivefold ministry gift, the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, the evangelist. Did I miss one? Pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist, and what? Apostles. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. He gave all those to help develop and build up what? The church. So now, if 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 pastor and teachers in there and you don't have a pastor teacher to help build you up then you can't be fully engaged in the work of ministry because why would God say you need that but you said you don't you're so smart you don't need what God says you need I just want to know is the Bible real to you I will tell you that in the day in the times that we're living in the Bible don't mean very much to people nowadays it used to be you could say the Bible said that and people respected that, right? It used to be if, if, you, if somebody was challenged, you were challenged whether or not somebody was telling the truth, you say, put your hand on the Bible. Y'all remember that? You go in the house, okay, wait, 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 wait. All right, put your hand on the Bible. Now, are you telling the truth? <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. But nowadays, people don't respect the authority of God's word. And that has been Satan's strategy all along from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden when he approached Eve and he said, Yea, hath God said? This is not anything new. And now we're in a culture where everybody is trying to speak their own truth. I'm living my own truth. Baby, I'm, t- I'm scared of you when you say that. Because your truth may not be lined up with God's truth. And don't you stop putting that mess out on, online if you are a Christian. Come on, I'm living, I'm living my truth. Baby, you better stop living your truth because your truth will get ate up when it comes to spiritual warfare. I'm standing on the truth of God's word. And as long as I'm pastoring this church and as long as I'm black, and I'm going to be black as long as I'm living. Say it loud, Jane Brown. I'm black and I'm proud. Listen, celebrate your ethnicities. 
I thank God for what he's doing in this church. For us to, 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 to be emblematic in a picture of the mystery of godliness. The plan that he had all along was for the world to see black, white, Asian, Hispanics coming together in one body and to reflect God's love. I love that. And we're going to keep moving because that's God's plan for the church. God's plan was, listen, don't, don't, I like what Darren Gray says. It's not colorblind, it's color blessed. We don't dismiss our color. We just celebrate it. Can I get a witness? We don't make it a God, but we celebrate the fact that we are coming together as one. And when the world sees that, it's going to blow their mind. Are y'all still tracking with me? So God has put all things under the authority of Christ. It's made him head over all things for the benefit of what? So to be under Christ's authority means to be rightly related to his church. We can't claim the protection of Christ's authority over us if we don't respect the authority that he has vested in his church. One of the features of of the end times, guys, and it is happening in this country today, is uh, Jesus warned his disciples that there was going to be an upsurge of lawlessness. Everybody say lawlessness. Brittany, if you can go to Matthew 24, 12. Listen, y'all stay with me. What I'm doing today is trying to get your mind right. Because if I start giving you this armor and you're not a pro- properly trained how to put it on, how to utilize it, and to have the proper mindset, it won't benefit you. Okay? And we all need to be properly equipped. Here's the beauty of it. When we know what we have and know how to utilize it, we can engage properly in warfare and not keep getting shot down by the enemy. Matthew 24 and 12 says this. Ready to read. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will do what? Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Now go to second, I'm sorry, second Timothy chapter number three, verse one through five. This will be the climate in the last days. Lawlessness. And because lawlessness is in society, it has crept up in the church. I've said it before and I've said it again. The church should be an instrument of influence into the culture rather than the culture being an instrument of influence into the church. The United Methodist denomination has split apart because some have allowed the culture to tell them what the definition of marriage is. I mean, they are literally, literally, not figuratively, literally splitting apart. Because some have said, the culture said, it's okay for a man to marry a man. It's okay for a woman to marry a woman. It's okay for you to call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. Uh, uh, and, and so we got to embrace that. No, the church should be interjecting itself into the culture and having kingdom influence. We are who? Disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have kingdom impact in our homes, schools, jobs, and what? What are we going to do? We're going to reflect our faith and lead others into a personal relationship with the Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we're seeking to become. But the sad reality is that many churches have left the, the authority of God's word and they've allowed culture to define what's truth. And guys, we're going to stay with this word. This church, 
will stay with the word of God, the authority of God's word. We're going to get criticized. People are going to say, well, well, in order to reach people, you got to compromise. Listen, I'm not going to compromise the gospel truth. The world is looking for genuineness. They're looking for a real church, not a compromising church. Now, listen, I'm, I want us to be flexible enough to reach everybody. I don't care where you are, what you're involved in. We, we're going to love you through your mess. But we're not going to compromise truth to make you feel better. All right. So watch this. Watch this. Come on. I got to move you. I'm a time. You should know this, Timothy. Who's writing? Who's he writing to? What was their relationship? Okay. Timothy was his spiritual son, his son in the ministry. And young Timothy is passing the church. Now, notice what he says. You should know this, Timothy. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. Hear this, y'all. And, 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 and soon, uh, God's going to give us the, the opportunity, the message to preach on the doctrine of eschatology. The doctrine of eschatology is a fancy word for end time events. We need to be aware of, of what the prophetic time clock says. Not, it shouldn't scare us. It should actually give us hope for the future when we know and understand that these things that are happening today should not have caught us by surprise. For pe- in the last days, for people will, love, will what? Love only themselves and their money. Now just say, uh, if you recognize that. They will be boastful and proud. Do you recognize that? They will be scoffing at God. Disobedient to their parents. Uh, 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 uh. And what? You ungrateful little soul, you. I fed you. I clothed you. Put you through college. Uh, allowed you to do this and that. And now you're going to loan you money when you should have been an adult handling your own business, but I helped you do that. And now you are ungrateful. They will consider what? Nothing sacred. Next verse, let's go. Come on, I got to move. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will do what? Betray their friends. Everybody said, mm. They will be reckless. Everybody said, mm. Be puffed up with pride. Everybody said, mm. And love pleasure rather than God. Verse 5, what does it say? They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Paul says, stay away from them kind of folks. That is the climate and the atmosphere that is indicative of the end times. And as I personally observe this, now this is, this stuff has been going on all along, but the intensity of it has escalated. Just like the intensity of the, 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 the intense weather patterns it's more frequent and more severe. And the Bible says, as Jesus was asked the question by his disciples, what would be the signs of the, of the end times? One of them was, uh, you know, wars and rumors of war, but one of them was earthquakes in divers places, all kind of uh, weather calamities would be taking place. And I think we are, we are seeing the beginnings of it. The birth pains are beginning to get more closer together. I'm not saying that we're there yet, but it's a sign of the time. When a woman is pregnant, the closer she gets to delivery, the more intense. Can I get one mama to say, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. Those birth pains will get more intense as you get closer to the birth. 
almost to the point where you feel like you're about to just lose it. Now, I don't know that personally. (laughs) But my wife has had a couple of babies. Am I right about it? (laughs) And I believe the last one she had, she made the decision to go natural. And those birth pains hit her at such great intensity that she changed her mind. (laughs) Just in the nick of time, because you can only go up so far before you can get that epidural. Come on, mamas, y'all talk to me. And just before the time was up, she said, I can't take this anymore. (laughs) But I love you, baby. You are a trooper. Amen. You are a trooper. I love you. I love you. I love you. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So he's saying this will be the climate of the last day, lawlessness. You know, normally in this country, in a democracy, we, we, we've, we've prided ourselves on the rule of law. But have you noticed the recklessness of our political leaders who, who, who disregard the rule of law now? It's being under attack. Politicians are trying to pick and choose when the rule of law applies. If it's your guys, kill them. But if our guys, you're attacking them. It is, it is downright abhorrent to me to see the lack of leadership amongst people for standing for truth. You love power so much that you lie to stay in power. That disturbs me. And we need some people who will stand up and say, this ain't right. You know it ain't right. You got good sense. You got a Harvard Law degree. You know better than that. But when you disregard the rule of law, you're inviting lawlessness. So that so if I can get away with it, and then now you come up with the very same thing, but you can't get away with it, people are going to start saying, well, wait a minute, what, what, what is this then? I'm telling you, lawlessness will be pervasive in the last days. The essence of, and the, here's, the, here's the key, guys. The essence of lawlessness is a rejection of authority. Notice what Jesus said. Go to John 14, verse 21 through 26. And I, I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you a couple of things, and I'm, i, I got to stop. And on next week, we're going to begin to break down uh, the spiritual weapons that we have. But i got to get your mind set in the right place. Because many of you sit here, and I love you to death. I promise you I do. But you're no more spiritual-minded than, 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 than we have a, an elephant walking on the moon. And I the last time I checked, we didn't have any elephants walking on the moon. I love you, but when it comes to, to being spirit-minded, you, you, you're not connected. In order to engage in spiritual warfare, you got to be spirit-minded. Because there are some things that the enemy is going to throw your way. That all of your physical weaponry, all of your homeboys, your family members aren't going to be able to help you get out of it. And you got to learn how to fight, spiritually speaking. Watch the text here. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Let's read it out loud on purpose. Ready? Read. Those who accept my commandments. And obey them are the ones who love me. Who's talking here? And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. 
Who's he going to reveal himself to? Those who do what? Those who accept my commandments and obey them. Those are the ones who really love him. There are people sitting in churches who say they love Jesus but won't do anything he says. So what this says to me is, is that if I say that or you say that, then we're lying. We don't love him as much as we say we love him. Next verse. Let's go. Come on. 22. says, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Next verse. Let's read. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and will come and make our home with each of them. Next verse says what? Let's read. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the father who sent me. Now, this is a very sobering thing. Here. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. Now, what Jesus just said was, is that everybody that says I love the Lord is not speaking truth. Now, you got to ask yourself this question. Whenever my pastor or your pastor or, or your Bible teacher or your Sunday school teacher or whatever instructs you in the things of God and you see those things, do you only do the stuff that's easy? Or you wouldn't say, you know what, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. He said that if you won't do what he say, you don't really love him. Everybody said the blessing is in the doing. See, we're living in, a, in an age now where people are, are, are pretty reckless when it comes to the, to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They feel like, if I don't want to do it, I just don't want to do it. I don't, I'm not going to do it. You can't make me do it. I'm not trying to make anybody do anything because if I made you do it, it wouldn't be true obedience. In other words, God looks at our heart. Come on. I said it before. Whatever I do for my wife, I want to do it with a spirit of love. Are y'all with me? There are times when she asks me to do stuff that I really don't want to do at that time. She asks me. Because I got other things in my mind I'm trying to accomplish. But, but what I've learned, everybody say Doyle Adams has learned. So he didn't always know it. All of us can grow, can't we? But what I've learned is if I will serve her and if I would do what Ephesians told me, Tanya, to love her like Christ loved the church, to sacrifice myself for her, then, then as I do that, it will make her life so much sweeter and it'll make our love so much sweeter, if you know what I'm talking about. Don't shake your head at me, baby. Someone said at the marriage retreat the other day that, oh, never mind, never mind. I, I, I. <laughs> I'm, telling, I'm telling you these things while I'm still with you. Now, so, so let me close this part out because I, I, my time is about up. If we're going to, to be equipped for battle and prepare to utilize this weaponry, we got to respect the authority that God has invested in this church. And those levels of authority is the word of God. He had, we have an under-shepherd. We have others who, who are teaching the word of God. And then we have to, as a, as a body of believers, learn how to obey what Scripture teaches us. The, 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 the second and third demands that God uh, tells us that we need to, to have to ensure that, we are, that, we, that our protection under Christ Jesus and his authority, it involves our personal relationships. 
and the two things that, that we have to get under control if we're going to be equipped spiritually, that is forgiveness and submission. Everybody say forgiveness and submission. These are two of the main areas in which our submission to God and his word will be tested. And Jesus has laid down some very strict rules. Look up, look, Britt, if you pop up Mark 11, 25 through 26 in the KJV. Mark 11, 25 and 26 in the KJV. And I will get there myself. Mark 11, 25 and 26 in the KJV. Are y'all listening to me? See, there, we're, we're, we're in a... We're in this last day's climate and there's a sense of lawlessness, there's a sense of, of, of disrespect for authority to the point where people say, if I don't want to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And there have been things I've said that I've been guilty, just like all of us in here have been guilty. Certain things, we're like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Well, God's word said do it. But I just don't feel like I need to do that. Well, that's what God's word said. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't care what you say, I ain't doing it. That's dangerous. That is dangerous. And if you're going to be equipped to engage in spiritual warfare, you better make sure you're under the protection and authority that's laid out in Scripture. The authority of the church. And watch this. He says, and when you stand praying, forgive. Watch this. If you have ought against any, that your father also, that, that, your, that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Next verse. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive what? I'm not going to have you turn this here, but in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, that's when we, Jesus gave us the model prayer, what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer. But at the end of teaching them how to pray, Jesus added one comment in verses 14 through 15, of that of Matthew the sixth chapter, he says, "For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses." He said that after teaching them how to pray. Now watch this. So if if I'm if I'm walking in a state of unforgiveness, I'm out from under the covering of my protection of spiritual authority, and you do not want to be uncovered. When waging and engaging in spiritual warfare, the devil will eat you alive. Listen, we always need to remember that forgiving another person is not an expression of emotion, but it's an act of self-discipline. Let me say it again. Forgiving another person is not an expression of emotion. Well, I don't feel, Pastor, I just don't feel. It ain't about what you feel. It's a matter of self-discipline and what Jesus told us we had to do. But in order to do that, you got to depend on the Holy Spirit. Because there's some stuff that happens that it's hard to let go. And you can't do it in your own strength. Self-discipline is also required to produce the kind of attitude that Paul described in Ephesians 5 and 21 when he says submitting to one another in the fear of God. This attitude of mutual submission is the key to right relationship both in the home and in the church. Hear me carefully. I do not want you to misunderstand the words that are coming out of my mouth. Hear me carefully. Christians who refuse to forgive others or to submit to one another uh, are in defiance of Scripture. And the root problem of that defiance is lawlessness. A disrespect for scriptural authority 
will put you in a state of lawlessness and have you not prepared to engage in spiritual warfare. So listen to this right quick. So we're confronted with three areas in which scripture reveals clear, uncompromising demands of God that apply to all Christians. Get these, these are not on your notes, but just jot this down real quick, okay? And I'm going to close. And on next week, we're going we're gonna to begin to unpack. Brenda, can you show that picture, uh, if you have it, um, of the Roman centurion, the Roman soldier? Look at this armory that's there. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna look at each one of these uh, pieces of armor there, that, that sword, that, that shield there, that helmet, that breastplate, those those sandals, those heavy sandals that they had. We're going we're gonna to look at each one of those parts starting next week. But I got you, I, I need y'all to l- listen to this. O- talking about obedience and covering. So here's the first thing, number one. Respect for Christ's authority operating in and through the local church is paramount for us. Everybody say respect for Christ's authority operating in and through the lo- local church. Y'all got that? See, these are uncompromising demands of God that apply to every Christian. He wants us to have respect for Christ's authority operating in and through the local church. As a Christian, you, 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 you don't have to be in a local church to get saved, but if you're saved and growing, you'll be in a local church. It is very clear in Scripture. So all those folks who are so spiritual that I don't need a church, you lying. Either you lying or God lying. I choose to believe God. Hello? So all your cousins and all the folks who think they're deep and, and think they can do it on their own, no, 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 you can't. We need each other. As a matter of fact, you have giftings that I need. I have giftings that you need. And as we let those giftings flow, how are they going to flow if you never connect with local church? All those spiritual gifts that God gave were given to build the church, his church. But you're not connected with church, so you say. Or, or so you have made the decision to do so. So, number one, respect for Christ's authority operating in and through local church. Number two, unqualified forgiveness for all who have wronged us or harmed us. If we're going to walk in obedience in the covering of God's spiritual authority, we've got to respect Christ's authority operating in and through local church. We've got to, have, we've got to exhibit unqualified forgiveness for all who have wronged us or harmed us. All who've wronged us or harmed us. And, and listen, let me tell you something. I know sometimes this is not easy, but you can't do this in your own strength anyhow. When you, when you harbor unforgiveness, you block the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. And lastly, an attitude of submissiveness toward all our fellow Christians. An attitude of submissiveness toward all our fellow Christians. He said in Ephesians 5 and 21, submit to one another as we do the will of God. So next week, we'll start unpacking the weapon, starting with the girdle of truth. But our mind has to be focused if we're going to engage effectively in spiritual warfare. You got to be, we got to be armed for battle, but it starts with getting our minds right. I love every last one of you. I promise you I do. And my job, as I can appreciate it, is to give you truth, reveal truth in a loving, uncompromising way. My job is not to, it's going to be all right. There's time for comfort. Yes, it is. But by and large, my, my responsibility is to teach you truth and say, okay, it's open. The food, the table is prepared. Now come and let's eat. I can't make you eat. I would not dare try to make you eat. That's not my job. Because, you know, 
if, 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 if we're not willing to submit to God's will as it's revealed, then we got a bigger problem. Okay? I love you guys. Let's get armed for battle. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for this privilege and this honor that you've given us to share today.